We're back, and I am extremely proud to say that we are joined by one of my very closest friends and most valued colleagues at the Center for Security Policy. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, United States Marine Corps Reserves. He has just finished command of the only independent force recon company in the Marine Corps Reserves. That's the elite special forces equivalent of uh, the Marine Corps and a very storied group indeed. Tommy Waller is these days the Director of Infrastructure Security at the Center for Security Policy. He has been a leader of its Secure the Grid Coalition for quite a number of years and is deeply knowledgeable on uh, enemies foreign and domestic and has been working tirelessly for quite some time now, trying to protect our country against both, as his oath of office obliges him to do. Colonel Waller, it's great to have you with us, sir. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio once again. Thank you, Frank, for having me on. It's an honor. Listen, let me take advantage of the fact that you have been serving in uniform, uh, albeit you're not at the moment. You are doing your day job, uh, as reservists do. Let me ask you about the readiness of our military as we're honoring the sacrifices of those who perished and who served during and subsequent to the attack on Pearl Harbor 80 years ago today. Tommy, it's very much top of mind and it's the focus of today's show in particular. Um, Are we ready, in your estimation, to contend with the sorts of surprise attacks that uh, might be coming our way, some of which frankly, shouldn't be all that surprising given what's been happening of late. Frank, unfortunately, I I don't think we're ready. And I think one of the uh, good friends and colleagues of of both of us at the Center for Security Policy, Dr. Peter Pry, recently explained that uh, in an article that he wrote, especially with respect to our ability to fight in in a contested electromagnetic spectrum. So what do I mean by that? We know that both Russia, China, and other adversaries, Iran, North Korea, all have in their warfighting doctrine uh, the desire to strike the United States in our Achilles heel. And that is in the electromagnetic spectrum, utilizing such things as nuclear electromagnetic pulse. And at the moment, Frank, I don't know that uh, the U.S. government in any respect, both the military or the federal government uh, in any of its agencies, is ready to contend with that threat despite the decades of warnings, Frank, many of which you were involved uh, in attempting to wake America up uh, to that grave threat. And it's just that type that would be uh, a surprise to the United States, uh, very much like the surprise that took place at Pearl Harbor. Only, conceivably, infinitely more devastating if it were done as I think all of those enemies' doctrine indicates they would do, using high-altitude nuclear detonation somewhere over the continental United States, it could conceivably take down the grid, the electric infrastructure of this country nationwide, and have it down for quite some protracted period of time, which uh, as you and your work with the Secure the Grid Coalition, Tommy, and you can learn more about it at securethegrid.com, folks, makes absolutely clear there would be immense loss of life 
if that kind of uh, sustained disruption of the most critical of our critical infrastructures were to take place. But uh, Tommy, let me ask you just about the military itself. Uh, you have been in the midst of this series of controversies that have arisen basically with the arrival of the Biden team uh, with respect to the training of our personnel in uniform on countering extremism in the ranks, for example, and uh, the critical race theory indoctrination uh, is going on. Uh, I don't know if you've been subjected to that yet or not, but uh, there's certainly have. And then, of course, these vaccine mandates. Uh, talk a little bit about your insights into the impact that those kinds of actions by the executive branch have been having on, well, units like yours uh, and more generally, the men and women in the uniform of the United States military. Frank, the, you know, the key about being successful uh, in the military against an adversary is to understand your enemy, right? You always start with understanding the enemy's threat doctrine. You, you read what the enemy writes and listen to what the enemy says. Um, you don't just wishfully think away. Uh, those things that, that the enemy is doing real world and saying real world. And what broke my heart was early in the year being subjected to this, quote, extremism in the ranks training that nowhere, nowhere in this training was there any mention of, of what many people might think of as an extremist ideology or doc of Sharia, right, um, which is what animates the global jihad movement. And so throughout that entire training package, not a single example of any jihadis in the rank. And there's at least six, 2003, 2009, 2012, 2015, 2018. And again, this year in January of 2021, U.S. Army service members, uniformed members uh, who either took part in acts of violence against their fellow service members or were arrested and, and imprisoned tried and convicted for terrorism charges. Yet that brand of, quote, extremism was nowhere to be found in the material. At the very same time as we're in the midst of preparing for a handoff of Afghanistan to the Taliban of all groups, a Sharia-compliant jihadist organization. So, uh, Frank, that, that's part of, of what really disturbed me is to see um, that in an official training capacity, uh, it appeared that there was, again, willful blindness, at least about that threat. Uh, and that's just one of them. Well, tell me, this is so troubling because I, I think it's also true that the radicals on the left have not been given the profile that they should be as well, given that we've had, heavens knows, in the past year, uh, an enormous number of, well, riots, um, insurrections, you might call them, in cities across this country undertaken by Antifa and the Black Lives Matter organization. Uh, I imagine those were not featured in your study of extremism in the United States either, were they? No, Frank, they weren't. And this this reminds me uh, uh, of another time when I was heartbroken to see an absence of a discussion of this. Last year, I attended a senior leader legal course as a commander. It was an online course because it was during the pandemic where there was a discussion about these riots and the insurrection. I don't think the word insurrection was used, but you and I both know that's what was occurring in 2020 across the country. Billions of dollars of infrastructure damage, um, hundreds of cities across the United States. And it, it happened to be September 11th, uh, the last day of this course. And during this discussion, I tried to ask the question, at what point 
does a military professional have a legal obligation to know the enemy, right? So if you're a lawyer and, and, and you don't do your job properly, get disbarred. If you're a medical professional, a doctor, you can lose your medical license. Um, but what about us as national security practitioners, whether in the military, federal law enforcement, intelligence agencies, what bar is there for us to maintain with respect to knowledge of our enemies? And what I pointed out in my question to these legal professionals and my colleagues on September 11th, I reminded them it had been nearly two decades since we were attacked and still seem to refuse to study Sharia. Um, what about those groups in the United States and the doctrines that they intend to impose upon this country, like the Revolutionary Communist Party, right? And so I put a link in there to the so that you can find it right now, Google search, Revolutionary Communist Party, the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic of North America. This was agreed upon 10 years ago and authored by Bob Vivakian, who is the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party. You know, and I never got an answer to that question, right? But that we have a duty to know that these things exist. Now, is that to say that the Revolutionary Communist Party is animating all of that insurrection? No, right? But it's just an example when you have an oath to serve and protect, to protect the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign, domestic, and you refuse to even know that there are doctrines, that there are a replacement Constitution for North America, um, that's a problem, Frank. And unfortunately, um, it, it, it seems to be pervasive and persistent. It does. It does. And um, it's the more galling that uh, questions and warnings like yours, Tommy, have gone so clearly unheeded. What are the people who seems to have heeded in at least the macro sense, the need for doing more within his state in light of the failures of the federal government at the moment is Governor Ron DeSantis. And you've written up some of his efforts uh, to enhance both the Florida National Guard and to uh, reconstitute, I guess, a Florida State Guard as well. Um, you've written this up at American Greatness. It also appears at the Center for Security Policy's website, securefreedom.org, um, under the headline, DeSantis's move to bolster State Guard fills gap for federal inaction. Uh, tell us a bit about what Ron DeSantis is doing in this regard, Tommy, and why it's so needed, as you see it. Well, Frank, the key is that gap mentioned. There is a massive gap that is being created uh, by the federal government in action with respect to numerous topics uh, when, with regard to our nation's security. You and I both know uh, on the border right now, for example, we have about a Marine Corps-sized element crossing the border every month, nearly 200,000 uh, illegal immigrants coming into the country. And Governor DeSantis, early this year, put the Department of Homeland Security on notice that for years, the state government has been working with its federal partners and on, on immigration issues and on security. And yet right now, you've got convoys of undocumented people coming from the southern border being brought into the Sunshine State and dropped off. It's an invasion, right? And so this gap, whether it's border security, uh, whether it's the, the effort to just allow anarchists and Antifa free reign, that's the gap that Florida has been filling both from the legislature and the executive. Um, the legislature, for example, Frank, one of the first states to pass legislation aims squarely at Antifa um, and, and its enablers. Uh, they have recognized the Biden administration's lack of focus on China. They put two bills uh, through to the governor 
uh, that, that Governor DeSantis signed this year um, that would interrupt Chinese influence. And most recently, uh, the governor also came out and, and illustrated just how unwise it is for the Biden administration to take part uh, that Marxist terrorist group off the foreign terrorist organization list. And even today, a, a Florida legislature just pre-filed a resolution condemning Cuba's genocide and atrocities. But I think, Frank, the difference between those governors and those state legislatures that, that just, just make laws or executive orders and DeSantis is that DeSantis realizes those laws are only as good as the people who are going to enforce them. And so here's a man who recognizes that other states are jettisoning. They're getting rid of their own law enforcement, defunding their own police departments with an unconstitutional vaccine mandate. They've, they're losing good officers. He offered a $5,000 signing bonus to any one of them that comes to Florida. And as, as you just mentioned, Frank, he, he's, also, he's also put forth funding to reestablish the, the Florida State Guard, um, which I, I think is an, an immense uh, step in the right direction. So uh, it's huge kudos uh, to Governor DeSantis and, and to the legislature of Florida. I, I think the rest of the states need to follow and fill this gap. Um, Tommy, lastly, in terms of uh, problems that you're focusing on in the infrastructure security arena, just very quickly, there have been reports um, after President Trump said, we're not going to have foreign equipment in our electric grid. And that executive order was suspended by President Biden, that we actually have a very large number of transformers, high voltage transformers manufactured in China in place in our electric grid today. Very quickly, how serious a problem is that? And can we do something about it right quick? Frank, it, it's incredibly serious. Um, in fact, I mean, we've seen where Secretary Granholm, our energy secretary, has publicly stated that our adversaries can can turn off the lights in America. They can take down the grid. Now, is is that specific technique what she's referencing? We don't know. What we do know is at least two of the more than 300 very large power transformers manufactured in China were found to have hardware backdoors. Those hardware backdoors, at least according to one uh, official at the NSD that had served under the Trump administration, uh, could be used to remotely turn off those transformers. And so one of the things that, you know, what we've done, Frank, is we've really tried to petition the, the Department of Energy, Energy uh, the Secretary of Energy, to triage this issue and, and look and try to figure out where are these transformers, what do they support, uh, with a significant focus on making sure that none of them are in place uh, in the substations that provide off-site power to nuclear power plants. So, yes, sir, our, our Secure the Grid Coalition has been awake to this uh, vulnerability for a long time. We've been sounding the alarm about it. The Trump administration, as you mentioned, signed an executive order on protecting the power grid that actually declared a grid security emergency on day one. The Biden administration suspended that. And I can't, at the moment, figure out exactly what they've done uh, to take steps to either make it better um, or bring it back. And so as far as I can tell, Frank, uh, the United States wide open continuing to import these assets. Tommy, 
this is among the reasons why we value so much the work that you do with our infrastructure security program at the Center for Security Policy. If people want to find out how they could help support that work, uh, where should they go? So the, the securethegrid.com is a website that the uh, that the coalition maintains. Um, they can reach out to us. And, and look, Frank, we've got um, personnel all around the country uh, in states that are working in their respective state to try to encourage their infrastructure owners um, to protect their infrastructure. So people want to get involved, we'd be happy to have them be part of this really all-volunteer group uh, of folks trying to keep the lights on in America. You can also find out more about all of this as well at securefreedom.org, the Center for Security Policy's website. Tommy, thanks for the work you do at the Center for Security Policy that you've been rendering to the Marine Corps and our country as well. I know that uh, you will keep up the really important contributions you're making in all of these capacities. And uh, we look forward to talking with you here at Secure Freedom Radio again soon. And we look forward, of course, to talking with the rest of you again tomorrow. Same time, same station. Until then, this is Frank Affney. Thanks for listening.